Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just visible. Switch today at visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see visible.com. What is up, people of the internet? Welcome back to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez. I'm Andrew. And I'm tired. And <laughs> tired is here. Oh, hi, tired. Nice to meet you. Yeah, Sorry, I just jokes. got off a plane. <laughs> Ah, yeah, that's totally fair. Well, we've got a lot to talk about, so I hope you're ready for it. Uh, And it's kind of a nice, fun grab bag of stuff. We have Pixel 8 Final Thoughts, 8 and 8 Pro. Also, MetaQuest 3 is in the house. The video is not up yet, but we have some thoughts. And if you want to, we can go over all kinds of thoughts we have on that. Also, the Pixel 8 video is up. The Pixel 8 video is up, so definitely watch that if you haven't already. Um, and then David has some stuff on the Adobe Max conference that he went to earlier this week. Is that where you were flying? Yes. Okay. I where was that? 24 hours. One day. Los Angeles. One day in LA. Yeah. That's a fun one. Yeah. So you're not jet lagged technically. No. But you're tired. Yeah. Fair. I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> we're good. I'll make it. It's going to be great. I'm just good. stay awake till the end of the episode where you explain. better than I anticipated. I'll just say that. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but first, I, I just want to highlight a fun Twitter poll that I posted a couple days ago where I sometimes I post Twitter polls and I kind of think that I know how it's going to shake out, but sometimes I'm surprised a little bit. And this one I was very surprised by. I put it in the Slack and I was just trying to see if people would guess before they clicked it what they thought the results would be. Yeah. So I tweeted, would you take a self-driving taxi slash Uber? No context about like the state of it now versus how much better it might get later. Just like, would you take one? And the results... I want you to just think about this if you're listening to the podcast right now. What do you think people would say? Would you take a self-driving Uber, yes or no? 55 yes, 45 no. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Mostly because there's two ways to think about the answer to that, which is one, do you like the idea of a self-driving mm-hmm. car? Which a lot of people are like, yeah, I, I really have had too many bad experiences with Ubers, lots of horror stories about, you know, can I stop at my house for a second? Can I? <laughs> yeah. I just need to pick up a package or meet my friend somewhere and you're in the back of someone's car. Like, what is going on? Yeah. People just like the idea of that never happening again in a self-driving car solves that. Um, but the other version of the question is, given how good the tech is now, would you currently ride in a self-driving car or maybe wait till it's actually a little bit better and autonomous vehicles are like fully as good as a human? And I think that's another answer for a lot of people i think this could splinter for sure because there's the self-driving taxis that are going through um san francisco right now which is a small-ish metropolitan area you know san francisco is only seven by seven square miles so there's not a lot of space to cover but if you're in like los angeles area where everything's a highway 
Like none of, great. none of the uh, self-driving cars in San Francisco are going 70 miles per hour on the highway. Right. That's a different story. There's still like in some so ways, many variables, though. Yeah. Some might say that's easier. I would be more afraid to take a self-driving car on the freeway. I would be less afraid. Really? Well, based on what I've seen about self-driving technologies, the highway, which is just laned line markers, is typically the easiest thing to do. And then the more variables you add, like slowing down and adding bicyclists and pedestrians and people walking and kids running into the street, which doesn't usually happen on a highway, that's when it gets tricky. Mm. So I feel like I'd be more likely to trust it on a highway. Yeah. Counterpoint, you'll be fine when you it hits a pedestrian. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I just yeah. don't want to be in a car where anything weird happens. I think also LA highway traffic is basically just Stopping letting it. it roll. So yeah. like that might be the safest out of everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you don't have some creepy Uber guy trying to talk to you the entire time. Yeah. So there's a benefit. I don't know. But I, I feel like I agree with you on this feels like who answered this question. I'm looking forward to it or... I don't yeah. trust it right now. Mm-hmm. I answered not trusting it right now. Right. And oh. I think a lot of people answer this thinking, do you like the idea of a self-driving car? Because mm. I think if I ask, and this is also, you know, I'm polling my audience, so it's a lot of tech forward people that's going to skew it as well. But I think if you just polled like a bunch of average people, you get a lot more no's. Okay. So can we go over, did everyone here answer this poll? Yes. Can we take a really quick poll of the pot, see what everyone answered Out and why five. they answered real quick? Yeah, we can get a percentage. So what'd you answer? David? I answered Yes. Um, I remember when I sold my Subaru when I was in California, I said, I'm not going to buy another car until they're all self-driving, Wow, which didn't happen because <laughs> I needed to buy a car, but it's kind of self-driving, but not really. But either way, I've had like this magical image of self-driving cars in my head for a very long time. And I like the idea of just sort of being driven around autonomously because if I could drive to work and like sleep more or read or some, something like that, you know, that'd be fun. That'd be dope. Yeah. Do some work. So let's say right now you just landed in, you were going to the Adobe conference and two taxis or Ubers showed up at the airport, one with a driver, one that's self-driving. Which one would you have gotten in? Same I price, same everything? I feel like if they are using it for consumers, it's got to be safe enough that I'm not going to get hurt. Because otherwise, it's just a complete PR nightmare. Like from what I've heard, like they've had... They've had the ability to do general safe driving for a while. And like NVIDIA has shown off their technology and Tesla's shown off their technology and Qualcomm. Mm -hmm. Like every single developer conference ever, they show off their self-driving technology for the last 10 years. But nobody wants to be first because if you're first and you kill someone, you destroy the entire industry, but mostly yourself. Yeah, I think that mentality works for this because especially with self-driving cars, they have to be so much safer that they're comfortable putting it on the streets. And even though they're safer than human drivers, as soon as one thing happens, it all gets thrown on the fact that it's self-driving. Yeah. Yeah, I think it still has like... I get so I answered no because I feel like right now... No, well, no, no, (laughs) I can just... No, I can can loop off of what you're saying though is like... I think, like, in general, in a lot of ways, it's probably safer than most drivers, but I still don't know, and I know it has at least a decade of information it's gathered, but there are just still so many variables you don't know what's coming on in these, like, all these different road, like, scenarios out there. Like, isn't there that one highway in San Francisco where the line was painted kind of weird and there were, like, five or six Teslas crashed that in the one. same, like, yeah. couple months? Whoa. And they literally because repainted of it. it because yeah, of they that. repainted This was further back, like, just to be clear. This is much further back. But mm-hmm. there's just stuff that then happens. I don't know enough about where I'm driving, if I'm picking up a taxi or an Uber. 
I don't think I would feel, and especially because in self-driving cars right now, there's a person behind the steering wheel that it can be like, whoa, whoa, you take over. I don't got this. If it's a taxi or an Uber, that's just an empty ass seat right there. And I'm not pulling, I'm not jumping forward and doing it. Like, I don't think I've got the trust on that yet. It's crazy that as a society, we're like, Instead of just laying down a few train tracks, let's try to recreate <laughs> We've got the a whole human nother. brain, but stronger and better at driving. That's a whole nother time. We will climb to biology's greatest achievements and surpass them instead of like, bus stop. Men will Software. literally simulate consciousness before going to therapy. Before literally just building a train. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you said no. Yes, I said no. Ella said train as the third option. <laughs> mm-hmm. What what did you actually say, Alice? Uh I I probably would not. Like like if a self-driving wow. car pulled up to this office to really? take me somewhere wow. in today right now. Man. No. I'm out of touch I've, with the I've been in I've already man. I've done it already. Yeah. Driven it or been out of touch? No. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in we did the we did the self-driving Yandex pre-mapped route in Vegas. Oh right! So I was in the back seat oh, of yeah. a of a ten minute ride right. with nobody in the driver's seat, and I would do it again. If you are driving from this office, and if I accidentally dox us, I, I tell me to stop. But when you're driving from this office Beep. to <laughs> to New York City, when you get on the freeway, there's this really tricky maneuver uh. where you have to get on a bridge. And you're merging into a lane that's sort of coming from your back. The right. one that I've the almost fast been lane hit also at. exactly. Yeah. I've almost been hit by that like twenty times. What would a self driving? There's no way the car can see backwards around okay. the line circle. So all yeah. it has is a yield sign. Yeah. So here's what it does. Here's the da- this is the biggest downside I've seen with these out in the world self driving cars. The number one problem with human drivers is they're too aggressive and they will often crash. The number one problem with these self-driving cars is they sit at the yield sign and wait for 40 minutes until there's a big enough gap for them to go, and they will hold up traffic for a mile behind them because of it. Yeah. And that's that's annoying from the passenger seat, but it's technically safer. Yeah. And that's the biggest difference I found. If you read a lot of the headlines in San Francisco, it's like, it's not that these cars are mowing through intersections or whatever. It's just that people like... They come up to like a, a stop sign with like a car too far in an intersection and then they just freeze and don't do anything. And then they they cause traffic to be held up for like yeah. the entire day. Yeah. I care about my awful. image just as much as I care about my physical body. <laughs> so I don't want to be the guy that everyone's pointing and laughing at why my self-driving taxi can't figure out why there's a basketball in the road and just stops yeah. for an hour. It's um, more likely, yeah. But no, yeah. I, 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 I still think the biggest thing here is that a self-driving the difference between a self-driving taxi, Uber, and its current self-driving is a person in the front seat and not a person in the front seat. And taking over. Yeah. I think even just the taking over part yeah. scares me. If that couldn't happen, I don't think I want to be the guy in the backseat when that happens. The one um, Waymo, is it Waymo? Yeah. The one Waymo that got in that really bad accident had a human driver that was supposed to take over, but he didn't. Mm. Yeah. So and that's, that's also bad. a lot. That's why I say it's psychological. It's because it's basically like, how good does the tech get and how much do you trust it? Yeah. Do you that's just put Tesla bot in there? <laughs> well, then do you oh, trust Tesla bot? Tesla bot is the redundant, like, take over if something's a problem. <laughs> it's like, we just need a button to stop. Like, we have the, the robot and we just have the big red so button. We just need to be sitting in the back seat with a button, just like ready to press it at any point. Yeah. 
That's kind of all I need. Would you get in a self-driving airplane for a cross-country flight? Yeah, that pretty much happens. Airplanes already. are already basically... Yeah, yeah, but, no, 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 but no, no pilot in there to do anything. Yes, 100%. I don't know enough about how much pilots do. <laughs> I probably I know don't a lot know about enough. about how we drive, but I don't know enough about how pilots are for. I could be more... Con- I could be convinced. I don't know. Anyways, Adam, what is your uh, thought your process rate? on this? In its current state, I would not do it. I could see it getting there in the future, and I'll do it. I also did a, a BMW self-driving demo yeah, in, in Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, mm-hmm. for a CES. And that was terrifying. It was, yeah. And it was like... But exhilarating. everything at CES. <laughs> yeah. I got more exhilaration than terror. Well, yeah, because you were like, am I going to die? Yeah. I don't know. Who <laughs> I knows? enjoyed that. So it was a fun experience. <laughs> But then thinking about like if an Uber just pulled up right now to take me home and there's no one in the front seat. Take me home to Not Don't you feel like if it's like publicly accessible and on the road and going to pick you up that it's safe enough to take you home? No. I guess we not- have many things that are on the road right now that are not safe. Like people. Like the Hummer EV. Well, yeah, like the Hummer EV. <laughs> it's a great point. But yeah, there, there is an element of like, are we being beta tested on? Like sometimes there are real technologies well, that are out. Francisco, yeah. Yeah, in the world where I'm like, just because it's out doesn't mean it's good. They're absolutely racing to be first, and I don't want to use this just because totally. it's out. And I think, yeah. it interestingly, with the self-driving cars, it it doesn't feel that way. It feels yeah. like they could have been out a while ago and probably been just as good as they are now, but they have to be so, so sure careful. that they're really careful to not yeah. ruin everything with one mistake yeah. that they probably are even safer than you think. It's kind of like how t- Tesla takes the heat with all the negative for all the negative press that electric cars get. Yeah. Right. Like anything, anytime anything happens to a Tesla, every car fire, Yeah, every car fire. Yeah. I mean, there's a million car fires, but anytime it's a Tesla, the headlines are Tesla catches fire. And it's like, yeah, I do think we'll see more EVs just in that light in probably, general probably. now that there's more of them. Yeah. Yeah. Big oil. I just want to throw throw one more idea out there. Maybe let let this idea marinate in your brains. I don't think people are unsafe. I think cars are just inherently unsafe. Like that as a concept, tricky. that is tricky. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Just throwing it, that out there. I feel like the only problem with posing that question is it makes it feel like all people are safe, where like there are plenty of people. No, there there are plenty of drivers. I hope to never encounter on the road. Yes, don't yeah. get me wrong. I just want to clarify but that. I think, but it's not fun unless it's a one or the other. Yeah, <laughs> no yeah. context. <laughs> Cars are. It's not that they're unsafe. It's that the way that we drive them around right now is unsafe. Like if you flip the switch tomorrow and every car became a self-driving car, I think that would be a lot more safe. Yeah. Than if, a mix. The, if every car if could, every could car be a self-driving, self-driving car, car, it would be way more safe. Versus a mix exactly. of people Absolutely. and self-driving That's cars. the real challenge. Yeah. We're, I was just on another podcast talking about this. I'm not going to spoil it too much, but the idea of every car being a self-driving car... I'm pretty sure we've also talked to Neil deGrasse Tyson about this possibly, but you can picture like a super highway of just cars going 100 miles an hour and they all talk to each other and yeah. they all can like immediately make moves all computer controlled and just like get you as fast and as yeah. safe as possible to your location but there's no way to get to that future yeah. without getting through all the complexities of some cars are self-driving and some are 10 years old and yeah. they're humans and you can't get there without going through it ironically this analogy is like the windows versus mac analogy or the Android versus iOS analogy, mostly Windows versus Mac. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> because, um, so Windows has to be like backwards compatible with a ton of enterprise software, right? And uh, and government software and yeah. all this stuff. So none of it, you can't really like switch to a whole new development platform and be like, everyone has to change. 
But Apple can literally be like, if you don't update your app to support this or like be based on this, we will just take you off the app store. Yeah. So you can't take every car and be like, you have to retrofit yeah. your car we'll to take have you off this the road. 5G thing so it can talk to all the other. Care. Yeah. But I do love the theoretical where every single car is a smart, a self-driving car because you can literally like not have roads and just have like one big plane and everything's just weaving through each other at like 150 miles an hour. Yeah. It's awesome. Seems pretty sweet. What? Yeah. Where would the buildings go? You can't just have one big plane. You could, and the buildings are on the perimeter. That sounds like a terrible place to live. A big wow. ring of Wait. buildings filled with a autonomous car uh, death match. Like, hypothetical, okay? What I, are you talking the about? Point, the point I'm making is that you don't have to have everything go like straight or sideways. It can just kind of, they can weave between each other without yeah. slowing down at all. Oh, I hear that. Theoretically. Yeah. Theoretically. Yeah. But we've, we also, we've also built lots of roads already. Yes. So we kind of just we, <laughs> we don't need like, anymore. Yeah. Aim to fit the roads we've built. Yeah. Also, David, yeah. this is America. <laughs> also, yeah. Marquez hasn't given us his answer on this yet. I would take a self-driving Uber. Okay. Well, yeah. no one cares. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I mean, you, you knew my answer. Already. Wait, so I do. I do. But you didn't say it, and I didn't want to. Oh, okay. Five of us. Yeah. So it's forty sixty. Me and Marquez versus all you. Interesting. Freaks. <laughs> Little freaks. See okay. On, see you on the perimeter of the plane. <laughs> <laughs> Mad Max over here. <laughs> okay, wait. I did also post something else to Twitter that I yes, thought was interesting. I'm super interested oh. in finding out more about this. So I posted an entire video to to X. I guess I could call it X. Twitter to Twitter. I posted a the whole video on Twitter. Formerly known as um, I put the entire Pixel. Uh, can you trust Google video on? in its entirety on Twitter. Now in the past I've done like all these fun, interesting things where like you post a clip from the video and then link to the full video or you post a short, we've done all that in the past. This time I just posted the entire video. And as of today, if you were to believe the numbers on Twitter that are public facing, which don't, but if you were to believe that, <laughs> if you were to believe that, then this is the most viewed piece of content that I have ever made, ever on any platform. Stop. Stop. It's not. Stop. It's not. I'll never so, take anything away from our LG wing. <laughs> our LG wing. TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> Greatest video ever. 35 million views wow. or something like that. This video uh, is less than a week old on X and has 38.3 million views. It's like 29 million in like the first 24 hours. In like the first 24 hours. The thing though about that number is it's not views. It's just impressions. It's just how many times it appeared on your timeline. And the reason I know this is because I'm going to screen share this so you can see it on the, in the video version so of the podcast. Funny. If you open up the analytics of the person who posted it and look at the numbers, it says impressions, which as you expand, it says the number of times this post was seen on X. And just before you get to that, the new feature that they added on Twitter was a views number. Yeah. That shows a thing, but when you hover it, it says views. But you say when you click it, it says impressions. So on a post, like if you just tweet some text, mm -hmm. that number, you could argue is the number of times it's been seen. And so how, however you want to phrase that in the timeline, is that impressions? Is that views? Like what do people think that is? If I post it and someone is just flipping through their For You page or their timeline and it it flies by yeah. technically is that a view i guess so it's an impression but it's an impression like that's what the ad agencies would all call an impression it showed up on your screen once and had the opportunity to be viewed or consumed or engaged with in some way that's an impression and i'll give some credit here is that on twitter it is 
very hard to distinguish for just at least a text, like a regular text tweet, who, if it got scrolled by and read, or if it just like, or if it did get read, because if you're not clicking on it, which half the time I'm on Twitter, I'm not clicking on things. Yeah. It is tough to tell that. Here's a good way of understanding this. YouTube does tell you views and impressions. This same video that I posted on YouTube has about 2 million views. If you go look at impressions, which on YouTube, you know what an impression is, it's this showed up somewhere in a recommended, mm-hmm. on a homepage, in a sub box, in a notification. How many times did it just show up on someone's screen? That's impressions. And mm-hmm. this had about 20 million impressions on YouTube, but it has 2 million views. And if you go down to the t- to the video metrics for Twitter, I'm just going to keep calling it Twitter. Uh, it has do. six million unique views. If I scroll down even more, however, there is an audience retention graph, and I use the word graph lightly, but it is a nine minute <laughs> so video. Does Apple. Yeah, <laughs> it's a nine minute video, <laughs> and uh, the retention graph shows that by two minutes and twenty seconds into the video, how many? What percentage of people do you think were still watching? You've pictured like the retention graph, like a 50% average view duration is pretty good on YouTube. Yeah. If you get to the end with still 40% of people watching, pretty good video. Two like minutes two, into a nine minute video, how many people do you think? Two percent. It's exactly two percent. Is it really? Two percent. I'm a guy. Bingo. Let's go. <laughs> and so wow. if two percent of people are still watching by two minutes, yeah, that's not really a do view. Do you consider it a view? I mean, it's two minutes. It's not two seconds so i guess they viewed else? it like okay youtube isn't fully clear but we estimate it's anywhere between three to 30 seconds right yes but youtube is way more information they give you a graph yeah. of like yeah a little see, more retention a little totally. less and you can fast forward like, and find what counts spots. as an actual view on YouTube. but in They'll general tell. you're clicking tell. on that usually too right i guess i don't know That's how autoplay is working exactly but yeah if but i you could Click on something and then immediately hit back before it goes to like three seconds. Yeah, you know? that's up to YouTube. YouTube, YouTube to prevent gaming the system will never explicitly define a view. I'm sure yeah. there's many parameters that will define a view. But I think like between us, if someone watches two seconds of a 10 minute video, don't count that. That's mm-hmm. not a view, right? If people got to two minutes, then it's they're watching the video. Yeah. 2% of people got that far. So 2%... <laughs> Of the six million views, got that far. What is the what is the that metric on YouTube? Do you have it? Uh, got to two minutes. Yeah, I will open up that right now. Also, I should have published the Pixel review nine minutes ago. Oh, oh no! I thought, <laughs> no. It's a, you just it's might okay. as well hold on to it. Yeah, no, I'm gonna Save find the analytic and then publish it. So okay, analytics, <laughs> analytics, and I'll go into reach. You know what's crazy? Twelve minutes ago, I was like, oh, in three minutes we need to do that. I'll make sure to <laughs> make sure to remind Mark. Guess. Two minutes into the video on uh, YouTube, sixty-three percent of people were still watching. Wow! So there's a big, vastly yeah. difference. Yeah. Okay. One second, well, I'm going to publish the pixel. While review. you're doing that, I'm just going to say what I think. Perfect. I, I think the funniest part about this, though, is just how you hover on the initial post and it says views. Then you click in and then it recalls it impressions instead and calls something else views. Uh, and then unique views and then shows the retention graph, which the graph is very funny because like it's hard to without a visual. So for audio listeners, rather than just a, a straight line graph, um, where you can see like every single second within the video. Is that what a line graph is, right? Yeah. It's a bar graph where it says like zero minutes with a big thing and then says two minutes where it's really small again uh, and then like uh, increments of two minutes. So you can't tell if all of those were on there for one second or two minutes. Wow. 
Yeah. It's insanely hard to tell what's actually going on. They need to take a Riemann sum so they can actually understand that. <laughs> a what? A Riemann sum. I don't know what that is. It's the. Let me define it. <laughs> Boom! Get dunked on. Riemann so, sum is how you find an integral with yeah. trapezoids under a curve. That's what I meant. Trapezoids? Or, no, it's rectangles, actually. I, I rectangles. wanted to find the actual. Yeah. Wow, everyone was wrong. Yeah, it's the well, area I'm just glad I pretended not to know. It's how you find the area of trapezoids under a curve. Oh, get dunked on again. Trapezoids. It's rectangles. Yeah, rectangles. <laughs> but those are rectangles. That's bar graph. Yeah. But That's huge. I still don't understand huge. it. It's way too big of rectangles as a point. The difference between... Can you show David the graph? It's very yeah, yeah, yeah. funny. So the difference between didn't make it to two seconds and didn't make it to two minutes and 20 seconds is insane. you cannot tell on the graph because oh. it's all in one rectangle. So it just looks like one bar. Yeah, you can't tell. <laughs> so while you're so. pulling that up, let's just say maybe we wanted to make this segment into a, a short. How would you wrap up what you think about Twitter uh, video views and posting on the Twitter platform? Take the remit seven ask. <laughs> Here's the graph. Wow. <laughs> Hello. 100% of people got to zero Washington minutes. Washington zero minutes. That's helpful information. 2%. Wow. And then it goes one, one, zero. Zero people finished it? Zero percent finished. Oh, so probably just below. I mean, between zero and one. Doesn't even show up. Wow. Yeah. Can't even. That's brutal. That's so, probably because you're the only one to ever post a video that long on X. No, you know what? I, to be fair, Elon has been like encouraging everyone to do it because he wants to believe that the future of content is also on X. So yeah. I, this is literally just me trying it with he this video. Retweeted he retweeted it. Right? He retweeted it uh, and he retweets lots of other people who post content on X. That's, I'm sure, especially <laughs> new exciting features. for him. Especially <laughs> they use new features like yeah. long threads and all that kind of so, stuff. So, like, yeah, it has 38 million views because someone with 100 million followers tweeted about it so yeah it's just gonna blip on lots of people's timelines but yeah. like this just reminds us all of what happened with facebook not that many years ago mm -hmm. where they decided creators facebook video is the future oh god you want to be on our platform matter of fact look at how many views you're getting yeah. on all your content and wow. then advertisers went whoa wait a minute Look at how many views are over here. I, totally I think it's time to this. spend. And I they all went to so go. Triggered. I know. They I all went to go spend. And then they all found out that those weren't views. And here we are. Oh, I totally forgot about when the just they turned. Thing. That was when they turned on autoplay and just a million videos showed up on your feed. That and was like 2016, yeah. 2017, right? I want to say like Peak 17, Buzzfeed 18. Era. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They so, were pushing, pushing it so hard back then. So we're, just, we're going through the same thing now. For sure. It is what it is. Um, so you're quitting YouTube. No. <laughs> Why? You got 30 million I views. Did. I did, but I know <laughs> that that's only impressions, and that's also because of a couple big retweets, so I'm going to go with uh, still working on it, still full working time, out the bugs. Full-time Xer right now. Still working out the <laughs> yeah. bugs. Uh, we should talk about the Pixel a little bit more. We should take a quick break, though, before we do that, but I'm sure we'll have some thoughts on that, some thoughts on the Quest 3, and some more on Adobe. So before that break, let's do a little trivia. Okay. Trivia. Okay. First question. Sick. We were talking about uh, Uber a little bit ago. Uber. Uber. Travis Kalanick and Garrett <laughs> Camp founded Uber in 2009. Oh, I thought oh, that was the Taylor that. Swift guy. No, that's someone, dude. <laughs> How dare you? What Can you get a minus point? Travis Kelsey. <laughs> Kelsey. Oh. King Travis They're Kelsey. Both <laughs> I, oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> But My Camp game. is also the co-founder of another popular app slash search engine. What was it? If you want a hint, the logo was an orange SU. Like the letters SU. Like the letters SU. It was very popular back in the day. Back in the day? What can what's what counts as back? I feel like all the like old search ago. engines now are just like 
clickbait gallery websites. <laughs> like really bad news websites. I'm just trying. I'm thinking of all the search engines I've ever had. Yeah, I don't remember Alta Vista. Yeah, baby. I lived on Alta Vista Drive for a so bit. So it is technically a search engine as well, but don't get hung up on that. Is it's as more of, I AI used it yet? more of an app. Like, I thought be. of it as an app. It should be, right? But it is a search yeah. engine. An app? Yeah. It was an app. It was a Chrome extension. It was a website. <laughs> That's a tough one. <laughs> we'll think on it. It's a wigwam. It's a TP. <laughs> we'll figure it out, and we'll be right back. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Support for this show comes from NetSuite, and that's exactly what NetSuite provides, support. But what they really provide is support where you need it, because no one needs help where they don't need it. So NetSuite wants to provide you with products and services that are tailor-made for your business. Help where you need it. NetSuite is a top-rated cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks, so head to netsuite.com slash waveform. That's netsuite.com slash waveform, netsuite.com slash waveform. All right, welcome back. Let's talk about the Pixels. We can finally talk about them. We've been using the Pixel 8 and Pixel 8 Pro here at the studio for a little bit now. The review is up. Our thoughts are live. Have you? You haven't watched the whole video yet, Andrew. Actually, I only I don't, nobody here no, has. I only saw the intro because Brendan and yeah, I brainstormed it for a while, but cool. I okay. wasn't able to help. So you had a little bit of my thoughts based on my direction on for sure. where the video would go, but now we can talk about everything Pixel. I'm going to give my high level version of this, which is I am, I'm thoroughly enjoying using the phone, and I think it's finally feeling like a flagship especially because of the new display and then there's just a whole bunch of googly stuff all throughout this phone that the more i use them the more i get used to them and miss them in other phones mm. and some of those are just like the, the the photo features and the like fixing it in post stuff some of them are just like call screens useful like just classic google stuff i like the lock screen a material you blah blah and there's a ton of that stuff but i think it really finally feels and this is the 8 pro that i'm mostly using it finally feels full-on flagship and i'm happy about that very very bright screen yeah love that super actua super actua display 2400 nits, nits on that bad boy it's every bit of that too hmm. uh i have gotten good battery life i'm happy to say me too so i've i've gotten between my normal days of using it in the past week like six to eight hours of proper screen on time which is a good battery life on a smartphone mm -hmm. on this five thousand milliampere battery so that's great on the pro mm -hmm. um the cameras 
are pretty good. I think video shows more improvement than photos. I Definitely. think photos look all right. Um, they kind of have a little bit more watercolory tendency and a little bit more over HDR tendency sometimes, yeah. which I've noticed. Uh, but they are big new displays and video. I shot the whole autofocus video on the Corvette. Super detailed, sharp, maybe over sharpened, but very, very good video. The color is great. Awesome color. Um, the dual exposure pixels are what make the video better. Yeah. So, so autofocus is fast. It's accurate. Yeah. It's been reliable for me. I keep flipping it back and forth between the car and myself. And like, this is why I shoot the autofocus videos on a phone is so I get that experience with it. The microphones are not as good. And I think I was trying to use the, some of the audio eraser features to get rid of the wind in the background. And there's only so much you can do. Mm -hmm. It did okay yeah. with that. But I I really like these phones. Uh, this is probably what's going to be staying in my pocket. I, I, I do have some more phones to test this year, so I can't speak this prematurely, but I really like the phone. Yeah. Yeah. So some of the more interesting things that people were asking about that I think are worth diving into a little bit more are one, what is a photo? Who knows? I don't know. Is oh. it real? Is any of this real? <laughs> Nothing true. <laughs> and then two, is Tensor G3 meaningfully different from our our complaints with Tensor in the past? Kind of. I would say, yeah, kind of. Um, especially because I've had, now I don't know how long it's going to last, but I've had pretty good battery life. And I think that a lot of that is because of Tensor. Yeah. Um, software optimization, of course, will play a part. Android 14 has been breathing new life into phones after they fix all the bugs. I'm happy to say that. Um, but I don't think it's that much of a difference otherwise. It's not like some super mega powerful new chip. They're yeah. more focused on TPU and AI features, and they've got a lot of that going. I think a lot of the crazy stuff with this phone is just all the crazy camera stuff they're doing with the yeah. software editing and the yeah. magic eraser and magic editor and audio eraser and endless features about, like... Yeah manipulating your photos as soon as you take them if they released all of these camera features on the pixel 7 and 7 pro as a feature drop it would be insane it would be, it would awesome. be like a whole new phone be pretty sick uh one thing i want to say about like the whole lineup of phones is like they they move the prices up this year each phone is more expensive the pixel 8 is 120 hertz now it's gotten its upgrade with new new tpu new cameras and all that but it is now 700 dollars to start and then this is now nine hundred dollars to start, so they just bumped them both up. Mm -hmm. I honestly $1, think, yeah, nine ninety nine. Sorry, so nine ninety nine to start. Yeah. I, I still think the Pixel Eight, now that we've used them, is a good phone for the price. Yeah. I still believe that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's harder than ever <laughs> to justify the Eight Pro. And you can see Google even trying to justify the Eight Pro by artificially gating some features to just Pro. Yeah, a lot of even though they're the features. same computer. I mean, it's extra RAM, but it's the same t Tensor G3. Yeah, and the same primary camera, and the same selfie camera, but only one of them gets Pro mode. The Pro. Yeah. Only yeah. one of them the can actually one. take 50 megapixel photos. The Pro. Yeah. Only one of them gets uh, the generative fill auto uh, magic eraser. Yeah. That's the pro. Wait, later this year. Yeah, uh, the raws are the raws are twelve megapixel on the regular one too, which is everything weird because I think the Pixel Six, the raw on the regular Pixel Six non-pro was the full forty. The full forty eight. It's weird. Which yeah. is the generative fill magic eraser? So Different. you have regular magic eraser on Pixel already on Pixel Seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight, okay. But there's a new improved generative fill magic eraser. Yeah, where you can like pro. select things to. It works Still, the exact or it's same just, way. It's just the quality of what it fills in is better. Yeah, they used to do in-painting, and now they do generative fill. Okay. Yeah. That's that, weird. What? Yeah. I, Why are you getting that? That's I don't so know. I imagine Google always eventually just moves this stuff exactly. to Google Photos, and I think they will because 
there's sort of this trend in the tech industry right now where everyone's trying to get you to use more storage so that they can sell you storage in the cloud. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if I've picked up on that. Oh, yeah. You think they're... Everyone's for... doing it. Because okay, because long... Apple just give us gave us high resolution by default, but it was only one and a half times the file size. It wasn't like double the file size per yeah. photo. Well, but... but think about this, though. Like, if that's another way to gate you into an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. If you use OneDrive and then Microsoft makes you have like way more files and the files get bigger... You have to buy more storage, and then you're, it's even harder to move to another cloud storage solution. Hmm. So everyone's sort of trying to make you do that and then pushing you towards the higher and higher tiers. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, Google used to give you f- free photo storage unlimited, yeah. and now <laughs> yeah. they don't anymore. I know that was a long time ago, and obviously, like, things are getting uh, – file sizes are getting bigger, but sorry, my Google went off. <laughs> 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 Karma hit real hard right there. You played yourself. You played yourself. Um, But yeah, like file sizes are getting bigger, but like storage is also getting cheaper, except we're the ones paying for more storage size and they're not. um, But yeah, that the whole, I just wanted like an anecdote from this weekend. I was doing some, like I went out with some family and there was a couple cousins that all have kids. And I mentioned the face swap feature Uh when we were trying to take a group photo with all of the kids. And Every single one of them was like, what phone does that? Wow. What is that? Wow. Oh my God, that would be amazing. Wow. So I think for the masses, yeah. that feature is going to hit real okay. hard. I want to go through each of the crazy camera features and explain yeah. how well they actually work now that we've yeah. used them. Because yeah, we saw yeah. the commercials, right? Yeah. Oh, It's different from now, the commercials. <laughs> yeah. Now they're actually out. Yeah. Uh-huh. So the one you're describing, which is called Best, Best Take, Best. Yeah. works very, face swap is so very much well. It's yeah. it, I, I think I called it top shot at one point. Like it, it you could call it a bunch of th- okay. That's what it was called. Yeah, okay. yeah but it's called Sorry. it's called best take. But what what happens is it sees your gallery has a burst of photos of the same group of people, mm-hmm. and it goes ah. Oh, yeah. There's like nine of these here. Any one of them you can pick as the base photo. Go in to edit. So pick the one where you like the body positions of people, go into edit, and then hit best take, and then it will go find all the other copies of people's faces yeah. and literally give you a selector for the faces for those people. And it works very well yeah. at merging people's like face and neck you cannot, to like match. Unless you zoom in really tight, you can't tell yeah. that it's been edited. Genuinely, 99 out of 100 quality edit. Like, That's awesome. really, really good. It makes sense because you can only do it within a burst photo of things, right? That's so, how like, it finds it's them. It's not just a burst. You can take it's, like one photo, wait a couple seconds, take another, wait okay. a couple seconds. So yeah, I guess I was, I'm thinking burst, so like not much movement can happen, but as long as it's in the same general scene. general area, yeah, scene. Yeah. Okay, so there could be plenty of movement and it's still doing There could be plenty job. of movement, but the, like the shadows are generally the same. Like okay. you're not moving your location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have we tested how far apart those pictures need to be for this to work? Yeah, yeah we should push it to. Yeah, let's we might. let's make two people in the studio sit in the same spot for twenty four hours and <laughs> like, take pictures. We between should like, them. add a bunch of shadow in one photo and then make it really bright in the other photo and see if it will still merge like, on the bright face. So it looks weird. Yeah, <laughs> we might have to play with this a little more. Yeah, yeah. But just you know, it that one feature really well, amazingly well. That's why the ads so are it. all about that. <laughs> yeah. So then you have. I'll do audio eraser next. Um, this is the one where they gave the example of like pointing it at like a street musician, but there was like a siren in the background and you could just like erase the siren while keeping the street musician. Mm-hmm. And I think that exact example would probably work really well because the frequencies of a cello being really low and the frequencies of an ambulance being really high can actually be probably separated a little easier than my example, which was basically wind 
just like distorting and peaking the mic. Yeah. And that was really hard to remove. And I think I should expect that to be hard to remove. Yeah. So there's going to be situations where it works well and situations where it doesn't work well. Sometimes it will legitimately save your video from some weird random seagull noise in the background. Sometimes it, it will not be able to fix your video. So yeah. it's like a 50-50 for me. I would have, I had low expectations for that one. And I felt like in that sense, it was more of a like, I captured this random moment. I'm not looking to turn this into a video or like put actual real production and editing behind it. But I just like am sad that I tried to get some sort of noise and there's another another noise blocking it. Yeah. And maybe I can salvage enough of it so that when I'm trying to like show this moment to people, you can understand what's happening. Also yeah. interesting note, and this is um, a little bit of sneak peek, but we're going to talk about it later in the podcast. But uh, Adobe also just announced an audio eraser feature in Premiere, mm-hmm. and it's a uh, it does the analyze the analyzing thing, but it's just a slider. You can't break like the pixel will break it apart into like this it's, is wind noise, this is animal noise, yeah. this is this noise. You can't do that in in the Adobe one. But I does, suspect. Yeah. So I'm very curious about that. Yeah, Google's. UI is amazing it's for really this. Good, yeah. It's a feature that I don't think a lot of people are going to like dig in and find that often. But if they do, yeah, it is it. it is really cool. Yeah. Just like going, oh, noise, delete. Yeah. Wind, delete. Yeah. Animal noise, we'll leave it. No, yeah. you know what? Delete it. And like it's you got can a slider do too, so you can leave it a little bit in if you want it to feel like more sure. organic. Because sometimes yeah. if you slide something all the way down, it kind of it puts a compressor on it and it makes the voice sound it's really weird. like compressed. Yeah. Yeah. So I give that like you know five out of ten. Works okay. Yeah. Um, Magic Eraser still works really well. It's still pretty good at recognizing objects. Magic Editor is a crazy one. Yeah. Um, it's funny because you go in to edit a photo and it's like all black and white UI and then it's like this colorful glowing rainbow button in the corner that's yeah. like, click Please me. use me. <laughs> I'm over here. Yeah. So you click it and it opens this, well, this whole new UI and there is definitely some latency to this where it's like, all right, you're going to make a big edit here and it's going to take a few seconds to generate some new versions and then yeah. spit them out. But basically, you select something with your hands and then do something to it, whether it's moving it, growing it, shrinking it, you know, changing the sky, mm-hmm. changing the atmosphere, all these features. And then you hit go and it takes some time and then generates like four versions of hopefully fixing your problem. Yeah. This one's incredibly silly to be gated. Wait, is this gated? No, no this, this one works. This one's across the board. Okay. Magic Eraser. Good, good, good. And Magic Editor. Magic yeah. Editor, sorry. Right. The thing that I found interesting is there were some examples in the commercial that we talked about on last week's podcast that I was very curious about. You remember the the kid on the bench with the balloons move where the they bench. move them to the middle yeah. and it like generates the rest of the bench and the balloons? Yeah. So I just downloaded that picture and tried it. Really? And it didn't quite get it. Uh-oh. Like it got, it added some of the balloons back, but the bench, it didn't really figure out very well. Like it was, it was like a C minus edit. Like if I saw that, I'd be like, oh, you messed up the edit. Like it's very visibly bad. Hmm. But there are some other things where it was just like perfect. Yeah. And you could just move like objects around the frame. I moved a car around the frame. I moved all kinds of things. But then the other thing about the commercial is they ha- they're like moving people around. Yeah. And I think they moved the one kid like higher over the basket to like make it look like he was dunking. I took some pictures. I have some pictures on my gallery of like me jumping. And I said, let me try that. And I highlighted me and tried to move me. Almost every single time I try to move me, it wouldn't do it. It refused. Oh, yeah. 
and it gave me an error that said, this may Violates. violate the Gen AI terms yeah. for hmm. Google. I tried it on Tim's tongue and it did the same thing. Wait, <laughs> I don't, Wait, I don't I would, know that. But. I was going to say, like, have you ever seen the videos where people will like take a picture of their significant other and like edit their eyes just like a little bit further apart <laughs> yeah. and say like, oh, you look so great in this picture I just took of you. And they'll be like, is that what I look like? I, I was like, this is magic editor is the way to just troll all of your friends. But for sure, I the guess The funny not. thing about this too is because it's gen AI, it's different every time. Right. So you could take the same image and try it multiple times and it's going to give you different results. Like so Dolly. You, yeah, like Dolly. So mm -hmm. you just kind of have to like keep playing with it. Wait, when you yeah. say different results, not only that the results are different, but also the potentially skirting around like what it will. It yeah. So like if you're trying yeah. to move Marquez to jump higher, and it says it might be like uh, another in photo. violation. Yeah. Another photo of Marquez jumping Could might work. Right. That yeah. sounds totally it, it's <laughs> like it's it works weird. perfect. I yeah. tried a bunch of photos. It seemed like the number one way to get it to trip for me was to try to just move me far in the photo, like laterally or higher. It would freak out and not do it. Hmm. So I would just like select myself and move me. But I can move all kinds of objects and other stuff, and it would be totally mm. fine. What if you select everything around you? What if you color in the entire thing Instead of around you, big, you and push make it down? everything else small. <laughs> okay, so it didn't work with that. But what I will say yeah. is I did find a picture in my gallery with a watermark, and I selected everything around the watermark and hit erase, and it perfectly erased <laughs> the watermark. And uh, that's just not against their general AI terms, apparently. Wow. Totally fine. That's Heaven forbid you jump higher. Yeah. But you want to steal some artwork? Yeah. I got so, you. <laughs> it's a fascinating feature. I have a feeling it tries, it like doesn't like skin or just things that could be manipulated in a weird way. That's like, I tried to make, I wanted Tim's tongue to go, be really long. But it's funny because so. the, in the commercial, they're moving people around. Yeah. Like that is a several good point. of the examples are moving people. I don't know what they did for you. I don't know. Like I, try, like, I tried a bunch of photos of people. I was like, oh, that's funny. I can lie about how high I jump in photos. And then I tried a bunch of photos of me jumping, and none of them it would huh. let me. It's so weird. But it would let me move the Frisbee. It would let me move, like, the background in a tree, and the and erase the people behind me. But that, that tripped it a lot for mm. some reason. There's also a new feature that they never talked about called camouflage in the magic uh, I saw that. eraser, magic editor thing. Yeah. And it just takes all of the color out of the thing that you highlight. I'm not hmm. sure why they, it just makes it black and white. Did we try more of it? Like we yeah, were trying it the other day with, times. okay. Cause when we were trying with Brandon, we were all just confused to the point where we thought we were doing it's it It's like wrong. reverse color pop basically. Yeah. It's huh. like, Hey, you want to color pop this photo rather than selecting what it's you do want to color pop. Yeah. How about you select everything you don't want to have color? So maybe there's like a, something that's too hard to delete and it would look weird. Or so you're if, trying to, but then if you just if turn it black like, and white, if you're like taking an artsy photo and like everything is like yellow and blue, but there's like one kind of annoying thing that's like red, you could just oh. like desaturate it so that the colors still look nice. But then that's black and white in like a totally color photo. Yeah, sometimes it you feels, wouldn't notice though. I'd like to see an example of somebody just who's used gray. this well. Like what if my shoes, what if my shoes were like yellow, so I just turned them like black and white and shoes could totally be black and white in a normal circumstance? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe. It's interesting. I still think it would look it's black a weird and white. Feature. Yeah, it's like it right seems weird. next to Magic Eraser in the settings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's as like a prominent. Slide. And that's just weird considering it's yeah. such a minor feature, but it is strange. Yeah. But yeah, that's yeah. that's the fee. I I'd, I give Magic Editor like a six out of ten for the times it works, and then yeah. the zero out of ten for the times it says it won't do it. Yeah. But I also think it's Google, and there's got to be some sort of limits. So yeah, <laughs> I'm sure people are gonna try way crazier things than I tried. 
with lying in photos. So it's probably yeah. good that there's some boundaries yeah. on it, you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, that's yeah. the that's the story of the Pixel. Fix I do, it in post. The video is the video quality is way better. Yeah. Um, my understanding of this is effectively this is kind of like how they do HDR. So usually when you do HDR, you're stacking frames and then you just take the average color of each pixel in that frame so you get rid of the noise because noise is random. In this one, you're taking like a high gain and then a low gain pixel and stacking the pixels. Mm -hmm. And so if one has one, if one has more noise than the other, then it averages it out. High gain and low gain meaning high and low sensitivity? Sensitivity. Oh, so if, if one peaks in high gain but doesn't peak in low gain, that's kind of like the HDR average. as well? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of HDR, something that we didn't mention, um, these now support ultra HDR. Yeah. yeah. I read a really good Android police. I'll put, we should have a link to this article about yeah. like explaining ultra HDR. And I guess it's coming soon because we haven't been able to test. Because what is it? On my phone. So I've seen uh, HDR, but I don't know if it's the new ultra HDR, which is like baked into JPEG. If that, like yeah. I can share it. I can show it to you. Okay. Yeah. So I'll share the article below, yeah. but essentially it's like a very compatible file format that's not just tone mapping and blasting certain pixels, but it's actually just like, it's not HDR when it's not on an HDR monitor, and it is HDR when it is on an HDR monitor, Yeah, which is pretty sweet. That's like the biggest issue with HDR is most people don't have an HDR monitor yet, so yeah. I was happy to see that the that The fact that you can see it on pixel is cool. And yeah. you, you can see it just when you take photos on the pixel. If you take a photo of like a bright area, yeah. if you look at that photo, it like, it kind of, you're like, is that area... That's really bright. <laughs> yeah. HDR yeah. is crazy sometimes. I'll be yeah. on like a totally dim web page, like scrolling, and then an HDR image comes up and it's like, all right, this pixel, <laughs> full brightness. Like yeah. we're cranking it right yeah, now. Totally. HDR is really sketchy sometimes. So yeah. I'm glad that compatibility is at least being focused on. Yeah. I think it only works with the rear camera. But yeah, okay. it is kind of like things are very bright. So. There's also a temperature sensor on the Pro. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Huge. How many times have you used it? I have not used it a single time other than filming it. <laughs> so that tells nice. you how much I Perfect. care about it. Um, Perfect. But it measures the temperature of things. So. Oh. Yeah. That's what that yeah, Wait, it has a thermometer object. on it? Yeah. Crazy. New, new thermometer app, too. What is It's that? pretty cool. I'll end, I guess, with some of my, my biggest downsides of the Pixel this time around with this Pixel 8 generation. Um, number one, I will say, is fingerprint reader did not improve. And it's fine, but in the world of a bunch of other $900 phones with much better, much faster, and more reliable and different conditions, ultrasonic fingerprint readers, mm -hmm. this one being the same size and still being optical, like they couldn't pull off the software magic to make this one better. It still needs the extra second um, to get that. it but red. the software magic that they did pull off was AI in the front-facing camera to enable face unlock and mm -hmm. banking apps and stuff. Which is awesome. That's really nice. So that's two contrasting things. One, they were like, we don't need extra hardware. We don't need infrared. We'll just do more with software to get more information here. Yeah. And with the ultrasonic fingerprint reader, they were like, sorry. Yeah. Same thing. Classic so that's, Google. So <laughs> that's a, you know, a slight bummer. Um, the back material, I think it's actually really good. It doesn't really shows many fingerprints it looks as I would really think. Nice. Like for a awesome. matte black phone, I would expect more. Um, but I was bummed that there weren't more color options this year. The only really colorful one is blue. Yeah. It's funny because in some lights at an angle, this almost looks like a really dark blue. And I was like, yeah, that would be sick. But mm, yeah. I mean, matte black's nice. This but a really dark blue nice would too. look nice. That does look really yeah. good. It's kind of just like dark gray or light gray. Like, what do you want? 
like the sa- the sage is that the other they're, one? They're camouflage. Greenish one. Yeah, it's like a camouflage. little bit green. <laughs> camouflage. Camouflage. It's it's basically gray. It's gray. So that's that's basically my <laughs> that's my two downsides. Like there's yeah. not that much bad about this phone. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy. It's pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. It's solid. I still consistently miss the Pixel Fold when I'm using it though. Personally, I just like the size. That is interesting because I came from the Pixel Fold. Yeah. And this is straight to the Pro. It's a much bigger screen. Yeah. But I also felt like I was using the Pixel Fold mostly closed. Yeah. And so I got really used to the smaller aspect ratio. And now yeah. I, just, I just have like, like a huge canvas now. Yeah. And I feel like this is great. Oh, good thing. It. It's a good I like thing. really want to go to the Pixel 8, but I do like the small Zenfone size. But the Pixel 8 is a little smaller than the Pixel yeah. 7. Yeah. 6.2. I'm probably going to ask one of you guys to yeah. use yours for like a day or How two. How big is the Zenfone screen? I want to say that's like 6.2. Smaller than an iPhone mini. Zenfone no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Display. I'm kidding. Zenfone uh, 10 display diagonal. 5.9 inches. Oh, wow. 5.9. So 5.9 to 6.3. It's just a little baby. <laughs> it's they don't got wait that doesn't money, look that crazy baby. though that this actually is doesn't the look pro this is 6.7 so imagine 6.3 it's not that much bigger than your phone yeah i might have to s- steal the eight review i'll let for you a play with bit. it yeah 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 but that's that's pixel uh do we want to take a quick break and then do meta and adobe is that yeah. what we should that's what we should do mm-hmm. sure so i think before that quick break what should we do hmm. um let's see, see. one two Carry the one. (laughs) 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 Always taking strays over here. Welcome back to Trivia. All right, question two from Ellis. In 2016, Microsoft acquired what is now the eighth largest social media network in the world. And before you come at me, I know that stat could be read in a bunch of different ways. But I'm calling it the eighth largest social media network in the world. Okay. With almost a billion users. Yeah. Yeah. Which social network is it? Cool. Mm. I already know it. Microsoft? Microsoft. Microsoft's the social network? Microsoft bought the social network. Yeah. It's ah! the movie? Bing. <laughs> Bing. It's Bing. called Bingle. Bing is kind of a social network because you can talk to it now. We'll be right back. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI-powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You'll also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. 
AI boosts automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is gonna change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution, like you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte. Team up. Fight on. All right. Welcome back. Let's talk Quest 3 a little bit. Yeah. I have a lot of questions. You want to talk about Quest 3? I really want to talk about it. I've got the answers. I'm like DJ Khaled. I got all the answers. How long have you been using it for? Um, thing, I've got all the answers. Most of them false. Leave but, <laughs> I'm gonna make it up as I go. No, uh, I've I've mostly used it for two days. Okay, and I played a lot of random games and experiences on the Quest Three for two days. Have you done a lot of pass through stuff? More Beat Saber. Yes. Okay. So, I'll just just to give the high level, Quest Three is like a Quest Two, what? but three. higher resolution, more responsive, wider field of view, and with much better pass through color to a en- color pass through, which enables mixed reality experiences and also makes setup way better yeah so you just put the headset on pass through turns on it's like all right draw your area boom your setup go has auto area drawing too if you want yeah and that was pretty good and i just like expanded it a little bit Mm -hmm. because i was like i can go past the couch it's fine uh that's the quest three yeah yeah it so i'm like mostly asking these questions based on uh quinn posted a video did you watch that oh he did no so it's like him in this pretty small room and he's in pass-through. You can see the mapping of the room, but he's in this program where essentially you can create 3D objects in um, your space, and then you can turn the physics on. So he said Mm. in just like a quick setup, when you look at the mapping of the room, it looks very basic, but then he pulls out this like 3D car, turns off the physics, it's like a 3D model of a car, turns off the physics and just starts dropping it, and it's like interacting with every single thing in the room. Mm-hmm. It's falling on the top of the couch, rolling down the pillows, rolling right. onto the floor. It's like going onto a shelf, the space between like books and the shelf above it. Hmm. Like it's mapped all of that out. And the way it's interacting with everything looks super, super impressive. Um, I was impressed. I I could still tell that there were not glitches, but like it wasn't perfect. Okay. But I was, that's way better than any headset I've ever used has ever handled objects in the room that i'm in mm-hmm. um casting shadows and stuff also too. i'm like yeah i'm watching his video that's about the quality of the pass-through like it's good it's color it's not high res i and i guess i'm kind of spoiled because i tried vision pro, vision pro. <laughs> so i'm like same. trying to remember that that's absurd what i tried yeah but in uh in vision pro i could take my phone out and read yeah. my phone mm-hmm and like take notes and type on my I phone d- screen. Quinn said he thought that it was just passable enough to be able to read his phone. I could not read my phone. Really? Yeah, it wasn't good enough to do that. Mm. 
but it was just short of that. Okay. So I could like see what screen my phone was on, but I was not about to like type something. Like mm-hmm. if you made me type out a tweet on my phone with the headset on, I would not feel comfortable sending it because I don't know what I wrote. It sounds like but, a fun game. <laughs> but it's still color. You can see the room you're in. There's no crazy like parallax issues. You can walk around. There's absolutely no latency problems to the point where now I'm starting to think like, could I play table tennis with the headset on? I think I could. I think you'll be fine. Like in pass through playing non VR. Sorry, yeah, real table tennis with a real paddle because there's good enough pass through with low enough latency. Yeah, so that's good. Um, I'm still like separating the Quest Pros as being easily the highest resolution, most most real life pass through I've ever seen. Besides the Vision Pro. Sorry, Vision Pro. What did I say? Quest Pro. Oh. Delete Quest that. Pro, baby, that. let's go! <laughs> oh, Ellis is wearing a Quest Pro <laughs> at this very moment for the audio listeners. Uh, no, the Vision Pro is the best I've ever seen, and that's in a league of its own. Yeah, This pass-through, I think it's better than, yeah, Quest Pro. Better than Quest Pro. Better than Quest Pro. I yeah. feel like this completely just, like, cannibalizes the Quest Pro <laughs> yeah. in general, which is something so I was, interesting. why still, when they first announced this, I didn't think it would have any of this, because it sounds like it would cannibalize it. I would yeah. buy this over the Quest Pro a Apparently thousand times over. they weren't selling very well at all. Even anyway. if they were the same price, I would buy the Quest 3 over the Quest yeah. 3. So I think that's two different answers. Number one, does it cannibalize Quest Pro? Or number two, would you buy it over the Quest Pro? Yes. Okay. And I think one of those is obviously true. You should not buy the Quest Pro. <laughs> yeah. But I still think Quest Pro will have its place just in the fact that it's like meant to be worn all day and it is more comfortable to wear all day. Really? Based on all the, yeah, the padding at the back, the way they spread the weight around your head. Uh, it's also a little bit Ellis. different software. Wait, this one's supposed to be worn in LA? Yes, yes. Oh, that, that's not looking no, good for I, Quest 3. This is kind of a thought I had, and now I want to ask you about, sure. if I can budge in there if we're talking about being comfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm almost wondering if lighter, cheaper materials in a headset might make more sense oh, because of how much lighter they are. Because yeah. that thing is, I did not find very comfortable. I know no. it has the battery in the back and is like counterbalanced, but like, my Quest 2 is so comfortable. Mine is sweat after a while. Like, yeah. I have absolutely no problems wearing it until the battery just dies. So I'm going to make a couple of, like, our observations on the fly without having recently tried Quest 2. But I, I think it feels like similar. Quest 3 is a little heavier. Okay. And balance is almost as important as weight. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the issues that Apple's going to have to contend with with theirs, which is it is so heavy that it is inevitably going to cause... Neck fatigue. Mark Gurman just had balanced. an article about that recently. That like yeah. users with testing in Vision Pro after two hours are having neck pains because yeah. it's such good material, it's so metal. high quality, and it's all front facing. Right. Yeah. So this is, and I this is why I said that in the video. Like they use plastic, sure, and it's cheaper and it feels less premium, but they they do that for a reason. The Quest 3 feels a little bit heavier than I remember Quest 2 being, okay. but it's not as balanced as Quest Pro because all of the weight is still on the front of your face. And when I take it off, I feel like all the pressure right below my eye and like the the weight constantly being at the front of my head. It's not an issue. It's just not as balanced as putting some of the weight behind your head and being able to move around and wear it more. Hmm. But do you think the full like soft straps and everything are potentially more... I need, I need to try both of them. I haven't gotten to try the Quest 3 so, yet. I think it looks more comfortable than the Quest Pro. So I think what they're finding is there there's a new strap on the Quest 3. 
And I think what they're finding is the more you can spread out the pivot point of like where it anchors to the back of your head, the better. Like okay. Apple has this big old mesh thing. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. And I think that's their version of trying it. The Quest 3 has Although like that's a, a optional accessory. Well, no, the one over the top oh. is optional. He's yeah, talking oh, about just no, the no, band just the part back of the piece. Back. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, the back piece. And I think that's where they're trying to like at least get some of the feeling of the weight off the front of your face. And so the Quest has this over the top like band that turns into a Y shape and, mm-hmm. and goes to the back band. And so it kind of is more comfortable because of that. But I still, <laughs> I've looked at Ellis real quick. I still think what Ellis, wearing, <laughs> what Ellis is wearing is more balanced more than eyes. any of these solutions. Hmm. Yeah, That's a subtle difference between weight and balance. Okay. So yeah. how's the gaming? So the games, I mean, it's the ecosystem is about as good as it was yesterday. But you meaning can, you can use hand gestures. Now oh, okay. Yeah, we can talk about that. Yeah. So the games are still there. Yeah. Like I, I played a lot of the old games I'd been playing. Super hot, ping pong. There's a new golf game. It's it's dope. Um, I think it's called Golf Plus. I don't know. Whatever. It's there. <laughs> I played it. It's fun actually. Um, but you're right. There's a new. There's much better hand controls. So the new controllers actually don't have the orb around them. It's mm. just like these disc controller things without the orb and they track just as well as they ever have without they i guess they kind of use like the infrared and the sensors on the front and even if you totally occlude them with your hand they still they seem like they're totally it's, still tracked. it's the quest pro controllers pretty much yeah. they look exactly they track very very, very well yeah. you can put those controllers down and use your hands and literally like move menus around and place them in your room with your hands yeah you still have to do this weird thing where like you press buttons that aren't there in real life so you're like pushing through where a keyboard would be and like pushing through where something would be. But if you exaggerate it enough, it works well. Like you can scroll through a menu with your hand by like pushing through and scrolling the menu with your finger. I'm imagining it's like the overacting of like comedy skits on Kinda. like TikTok where you're just sitting there doing this and pressing That's all the probably buttons. what you look yeah. like. Yeah. Yeah. But you, yeah, it does track your hands really well. You you can move the menus around, which by the way are super high resolution. They look great. Um, and you can move around in space and they stay in space because the room is super well tracked. So the front of the Quest looks different because it has way more sensors facing out and mm. things track really well. So yeah, all that works. Hmm. It's fun. I think it looks so cool. It's fun. I, it makes me so sad that like Meta is trying to go like so intensely into this Metaverse thing, which kind of just like sours it a little bit by trying to make it seem like we're all going to live in this made-up world where it just seems like an awesome VR slash AR experience system that I really like because I loved the Quest 2. And like, I think that VR is so much more accessible now that we've gotten rid of all the wires and sensors and everything and we're all like inside of just a headset. You can put it on in your living room super easily. You don't need Mm -hmm. a whole separate area. It plugs into a computer. like The olden days of Vive. Yeah, I mean, which was so much fun still, but like the fact that now like when my mom comes over and visits, she can just throw on the Quest 2 and play Beat Saber and she's obsessed with it and does it every single time. (laughs) So like, I think this is awesome. I think $500 is still pretty reasonable if you're looking at other consoles and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm. But just the entire thing just felt way too on this like, can't you wait to see your friends with no legs from across the country? It's just like it's I like I I think it's like a little bit soured, but I th- I think the Quest Three looks awesome. I can't wait to use it. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's a pretty different device than the Vision Pro, so it's kind of hard to compare them. Um, yeah, it. But it is adding like a lot more of the mixed reality features, which the Vision Pro is more oriented towards. Yeah, 
And the fact that you can get it for $500 instead of $3,500 uh-huh. is a pretty big upsell. Yeah. It's like I, I know that Apple's always going to have the ecosystem and they're going to f- have a lot of things fine-tuned. But a sixth of the price yeah. is a crazy difference. And also, like, I still wonder if the Quest 3 might be more comfortable than the Vision Pro because of how heavy it is. Mm. What if I told you that... And you can use your own battery bank, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> what if I told you that in four years there will be a cheaper Apple Vision headset, non-pro. What's cheaper? Cheaper than $3,000 $3, is pretty $3, easy. $700. let us say if I say $700. 700 I'm just making up $700. And the advantage to that one will be obviously the ecosystem wow. stuff and all of the things that Apple learns from their $3,500 experience. Maybe that's better optics, better screens. But then Meta has the Quest 5 or 6 at that point. That they've also learned. That's from a great point. Actual yeah. user. I do experience. think like Meta has yeah. a big step forward on all of this, just yeah. like they've been doing this for so long. Which I, I think that's true, but then Apple just stepped in and made the best pass through I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, at a price point that's not really consumer focused. Yeah. Uh, it's like it's so hard like to that, compare. It. But like if I want money. if I want my seven hundred dollar headset to learn from any other headset, I definitely want it to learn from Apple's. You know, I guess I don't know enough about the internals and who's learning what, and can I learn something from something that has this like insane state of the art, whatever, and then make it into with like consumer based off the shelf products that can be sold for way cheaper. Or yeah. Apple's also a trillion dollar company, and maybe they just take a loss on the the cheap version later. There's maybe. a lot of variables. I don't know where exactly it's gonna go, but yeah, there there'll be more quests by the time that comes out. I have no idea. I have no idea. It's yeah. a weird I'm world. with you that it's like a great gift right now. It I, is an awesome Christmas first VR headset because of how well the mixed reality stuff makes like setup super easy. It makes it way more natural to just have like the menu floating in the room you're in instead of being in like a virtual world immediately. I think it makes people more comfortable being able to see the room around them. Point, yeah. I think it's a great first headset for a lot of people because of that, how well mm-hmm. it works. Yeah. So I think it's interesting that they're they're really pivoting now into mixed reality stuff though. Like that's, that's, it's funny. It's, it feels very reactive to me because I think that when the quest has been built over the last amount of years, back when it was like the Oculus Rift, it sort of felt like they were always very focused on gaming and being in a fully virtual environment. I mean, that's the whole reason that Facebook like make, they made, um, horizon worlds and they made out your avatars and all these things Mm -hmm. and they were like yeah we're gonna be all virtual completely virtual totally virtual and then apple did the vision pro and then now the new quest is like this is now more pass through i would fight back though because the quest pro was out before the vision pro and that was like all ar pass through stuff but the passer was not nearly as good just because it's not as good doesn't mean they reacted to it no like the vision pro the vision pro was like super pass through stuff Look, as someone who has used the AR part of the Vision Pro now for like since it came out, Quest Pro, (laughs) it is very confusing between Vision Pro and just like you know when you were talking about like experience, like the Quest Pro is like borderline unusable, right? As a as a AR device, like like literally, I'm not here saying it's better than the Vision Pro. No, 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 I know, but just like you literally, like I'm looking right at a computer screen and I cannot see anything 
on yeah. it. Like, I can't make out any of your faces right now. Everything is shaking violently as we <laughs> oh, speak. No. It, I'm saying their yeah. focus was on that before Apple released the Vision Pro. Right. I think it's just, right. yeah, it, it was their focus, and that's what they tried to do, but it also was their version one, and it turned out that they mm-hmm. needed more learnings to do. And that, and For Quest sure, 3, yeah, yeah, Honestly, yeah. Quest 3 is a better Quest Pro than the Quest Pro in that's, a lot of ways. Uh, that's, enough, I, <laughs> is, I, that's why I say it's cannibalizing. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. totally fair. They, that's what I feel like, too. They've definitely I, Why learned. would you ever... When you said before, like, they're kind of separate on, like, would you buy it and does it have its place... It's places to rip off a bunch of enterprises yeah, <laughs> to pay way yeah. too much for it. And then and to like, learn from it to build a better thing. Uh, maybe, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Quest yeah. 3, why would you ever buy Quest Pro? If it Quest feels like a... Quest Pro walked, so Quest 3 could jog. It feels like Tesla Roadster to Tesla Model S to Tesla Model 3. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. They like you the... should never buy a Tesla Roadster, the original Tesla Roadster today. But it was a $100,000 sports car. At one time. And now we have a Model 3. Yeah. Just sure. saying. Yeah. It happened. So that's, yeah, yeah, that's Quest 3. I'm I'm working on putting together a full review of it so you guys can see all my thoughts and, and all my comparisons as someone who has tried some of the crazy things that Apple put out and also someone who can reference uh, old Quest stuff as well. But we also want to talk about some Adobe stuff. Yeah. Let in, I'll let you dive into the okay. Adobe. What? Where did you go? I went to Adobe Max, which is their annual, uh, it's not really a developer conference. It's more of like a, here's all our new features and we're going to have like, classes and get a bunch of creators who've been using these features for a while that teach you how to use it and just a bunch of creative people to like come together and like meet each other and talk about their processes and all this stuff Mm -hmm. there's a few reasons i wanted to go one because the last couple of years uh adobe has announced a lot of like really crazy ai features at adobe max yeah and that's an interesting space for me because we mostly use final cut but premiere is getting more and more like they're plugging in AI features really fast. And they Are get, they? Yeah. Interesting. A lot of interesting AI features. Okay. Because I know Photoshop is doing a lot yeah. of that yes. stuff. Premiere is getting kind of crazy. I'm too. very interested in Premiere things. Huh. Yeah. That they're okay. doing. Um, so the first half of the co- the keynote was kind of felt like a bunch of adults just making collages for an hour um, because they announced Firefly. Uh, fire well no sorry they didn't announce firefly they just like showed the power of firefly and for those that don't know firefly is their version of dolly yeah um and i have this hot take that both ai image generation and also ai chatbots are not even remotely close to the the actual useful things that we're going to do with ai it's just that they're the first things that came out to the public that felt flashy and like a party trick that people could look at and say, wow, that's better than everything that we have currently. Almost like the gimmick version of it. Yes. But because they were the first things that got released and because they're the things that make investors go, wow, that's really cool. Companies are investing really heavily on trying to make this technology better than everybody else. So there's sort of this race to the bottom. Hmm. Um, So you got Google making AI and image generation. You got Adobe. You got like all these people. So the first half of the keynote was just them being like, look, I can create a garden and then put a fox in it. And then I can put a (laughs) butterfly in front of the fox. And wow, look at my piece of art. And I would say to that, does that make you happy? Because I think that a lot of art, a lot of doing art and making art 
has to do with how you feel about what you made and like if you feel personal gratification from making it because art is subjective. Oh, it's philosophy. We're getting to philosophy immediately. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. No, I feel I'm I'm with you on that. Like the AI tools, I've had a lot of these conversations. The AI tools like lower the barrier to making better things, but then it's also less effort. So it feels like it's technically not as good. It's weird. I think there are there are ways you can like separate it if there's just like a like rotoscoping you know what rotoscoping is Mm -hmm. for people that don't know in movies if you want to like cut out a character so that you can like change the background you have to do this thing called rotoscoping where you basically like pick little points all around the character frame by frame and cut them out so that you can cut out the background Mm. and uh, i've multiple friends who like work at studios and when you're an intern at one of these studios the thing that they make you do for like six months is just do rotoscoping because it's the worst job no one wants to do now they have ai at rotoscoping Mm -hmm. tools where you press a button and for the entire 30 second clip it's all rotoscoped yeah it's it's like super tedious work super tedious yeah yeah. so that's not a thing that's like i'm gonna be creative here it's more just like no one wants to do this and i'm all for that Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so that was the first that was the first half of the keynote was just them showing like reminding people that Firefly exists. Right. Um, but then they expanded Firefly. So they expanded it to Firefly vectors. So now you can make vector art with Firefly, which vector art is like huh. an illustrator. It's got all the little points that are completely editable. Yeah. So it's like a, a mapped out version. It's like you drew it by hand. And that's really interesting because you're generating it's like generating images but you can manipulate them to a very, very high, fine degree. Yeah, and I've, I've, if I'm not mistaken, vector also generally means since it has those points, is it's scalable, like, infinitely. Infinitely, scalable. yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's like, such an important cool. thing. Yeah. That's what people use Illustrator for, is because you can scale it infinitely. Yeah. Um, so that was really cool. They introduced Illustrator Web, which is a lot simpler version of Illustrator that is on the internet. Oh. I really wish they would do this for After Effects because After Effects is like the most complicated <laughs> yeah. looking program. If we get to the point seen, where you have in browser After Effects, <laughs> yeah. I, we're uh, on coming, another. Dude. It's that's wild that year. it will. No, you're not wrong. Yeah, it's just really crazy to think about. Yeah. Wait, can we clarify real quick? These are in beta still, right? They're out now. Um, in beta, though. I think they're all in beta. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I think they're they're all. But out like you now, can though. use it. You can use it now. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Everything dropped yesterday. Um, okay. Premiere. So they now have text-based editing Premiere. So every time you pull, pull clips in, it automatically transcribes it. Okay. And then you can like highlight a part of text and click a button, and it'll drop the clip Ooh. of just that text into the timeline. Whoa. So if you were sitting in for an interview or something, and you knew everything that it was said already, and you're like, oh, yeah, he said that twice. He said it better the second time. Highlight, drop in, drops it in. Or if you have multicam... Mm-hmm. You can cut really easily between all of that really fast. Or like, let's say if wait. you're a YouTuber with an A roll. Yeah, with A roll. I was, well, and then wait, then you hit your take, and then you say like, use that take, and then you search that in the text space later, yeah. and then highlight yes. the take before. Yeah, and it automatically drops. That would be it in. sick. Um, they have an um and ah detector, a filler nice. word detector. I could use it. <laughs> it's a button that you press, and it detects all the filler words in the whole thing, and you can just delete them all. Oh, I think you need that. Yeah. They don't have, um, they didn't have any sort of like morph cut thing. So it was kind of a little. Oh, uh, just jump cuts every time. Jumpy. <laughs> My that sentences would, would just be like a yeah. caveman, like trying to talk. It looked yeah. like a Phil DeFranco video. Right. <laughs> like if, cut, they, cut, cut. if they had like an, I'm sure that they'll add this, like an automatic, like, 
um, morph cut type thing to make it work a little bit better. That'd be cool. Um, but yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty interesting. Wait, are you gonna teach Adobe AI when it cuts out like ums and stuff to jump cut push in like yeah <laughs> punch in like J-cut. it's just straight YouTube Jaka? Yeah. yeah, that'd be incredible. Uh, they made a background noise thing that I alluded to earlier right. that is almost exactly like the pixel one mm-hmm. and I believe that this is all transformer based because it's all pattern matching because it's interesting Final Cut has a built in noise reduction tool for yeah. any audio track yeah. and I wonder the difference between if, not just how it works but how effective that one would be versus the one that's built in I think this one would be way better because it's transformer based I want to try it. Yeah. Yeah. So it seemed like it worked really well. They had this clip of this woman talking at some event and it was really windy and there was kid noise. They press one button, it gives you a slider, but it like enhanced this woman's voice who was like talking at this park. It made it a lot more full. It got rid of all the wind noise, all the kid noise. Um, It was like a one button thing. It seems very useful. I was thinking about Ellis's uh, Ellis versus AI video a lot during this. Yeah. Yeah. Seemed really helpful. Um, Yeah. They also said they're working on text to video and image to video. So they showed a couple of examples where like you could type in some text and it would just generate a video based on that text. Mm. They also showed a sample where they dropped in a photo of an elephant and they said, turn this into a video. And then they played like a 10 second clip of that elephant, like walking around. Yeah. What was it doing? Cause I'm imagining it just being like, it was kind of like swaying. that kind of warpy, like it wasn't make a image bad. look 3d. Okay. It wasn't too bad. It was sort of like kind of swaying back and forth. But okay. It looked like a pretty convincing video clip. Yeah, we're getting into some weird I, territory. I can't wait till one of them's like, this is how we can do it, and types in Will Smith eating spaghetti, and it actually does it correctly, and then we compare. <laughs> we compare yeah. 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 That's the benchmark for all the future <laughs> yeah, tools, that's, yeah. that video. Yeah. I have a question. Yeah. Is this going to work typically on device, or is it going to be some sort of cloud-based I thing? would bet it's cloud. It's probably cloud. Yeah, because I'm thinking like using Premiere just to analyze a no, couple frames takes our forever. Our computers are computers. not, like, they're not made for this type of processing yeah. anyway. So I'm sure it's cloud-based. Mm-hmm. I think everything that they're doing is is trying to do more ecosystem lock-in, just get you tighter into the Adobe suite. Yeah. More subscriptions. Too. Yeah, more subscriptions. <laughs> um, yeah. But the, big re- the main reason I actually went to Adobe Max um, was not for this. It was because I'm working on a video for the studio channel for the, like later this month, which I'm glad that I finally get to say Sneak peek, I'm working on a video about this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But about this thing called the Content Authenticity Initiative, um, which Mm. is a group of companies, which is a ton of companies, they have like 2,000 people in it now, that are working on this encrypted metadata that basically will show you every asset that was used in that piece of content that you made. And it'll give you like a tree of like every asset that was combined to make a piece of content and how those individual assets were changed. So if you have something in Photoshop, like a a photo in Photoshop, and you make a bunch of adjustments to it when you export it, if you have this content authenticity thing switched on, it will write that into this encrypted metadata that moves with the image. Okay. And it'll have this little content credentials thing in the corner that lets you know like, hey, this is legit. You can trace it. It's an open source thing. You can like put it in the like in this web based tool on the internet and see all of the changes that have been made to it. Hmm. And it's not necessarily. I think that people keep getting this wrong. Like it's not necessarily that they're using this to try to catch bad actors. They're using it to prove the transparency of what you're doing. So, um, 
for example, you could use this on video. If theoretically, if YouTube implemented this kind of thing, if you, if say Final Cut had a content authenticity toggle that yeah. you could turn on, yeah. it would it would create this encrypted metadata on that is attached to your video. Mm-hmm. When that goes on to YouTube, there'll be they there'd be a little verified this is directly from Marquez thing mm-hmm. shows it would ma- it was made by Marquez Brownlee on his computer using Final Cut using these specs. And so then if someone else like uploaded your video in full to YouTube or whatever, then even if the system didn't catch it, it wouldn't have the content credentials thing on it. And so it would be obvious which one was real. Gotcha. Yeah. Hmm. So it's a it's a interesting thing. I think most people think that they're doing it to try to catch AI AI stuff. Deep fakes. Yeah. And sure. Adobe and a few and Microsoft just signed on to this too. Anything that's generated through Adobe, through like Firefly or through B- uh, Dolly 3 is going to have content credentials automatically on. So you'll always know like this was a piece of content that was AI generated, or this is a piece of content that was used to create other content that was like merged with other content. And it's cool because when you drop a piece of content into this uh, tool online, you can literally see all the different things that were attached to it. Yeah. Um, And so one of the ideas too is that a bunch of camera manufacturers have signed on to this. So like Leica and Nikon and a bunch of these companies and the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and Twitter signed on to this before Elon bought it. Uh, so theoretically, they're on it. <laughs> okay. But the idea is that in a few years, theoretically, the New York Times will say all of our photographers are going to use content authenticity initiative enabled cameras that have this encrypted metadata on it. So when we upload to our website or upload to social media, it says which journalist shot the photo if it's it's this transparency thing to see if it's been modified at all. Yeah. Because there have been a couple of new sites recently that have uploaded unknowingly AI-generated imaging, and that's becoming a huge problem really fast. Yeah. 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 It's, I guess it's good to see that from both sides. It's kind of funny. They go, they go on one hand from being like, look at all these tools to manipulate your images. I know. And then on the other end, they're like... But also, you really want to know what's yeah, been manipulated. I think you don't have you? to. You have to have yeah. the like. Good our stuff could really screw some stuff up, so we also need to find out how to not screw There's it up. There's a yeah. big irony in that. It's sort of like OpenAI starting this all and then being like, "We really need regulation around the stuff that we're doing." Yeah. yeah. But I think that it's it's one of those things where it's like ev- people are gonna do this no matter what, and so if you're part of the figuring yeah. out what's AI generated and what's not, then at least you're helping it. It's an open source thing, so Adobe did help create the standard, but they don't own the standard. The Content Authenticity Initiative runs the standard, which has partners from like all throughout the industry. Yeah, um, yeah. So I just find it pretty interesting, and I'm I want to make a a fuller video on this. So I went to Adobe Max and I interviewed the the guy that invented the standard. Okay. Um, nice. So I just wanted to get his take on it and yeah. build out the video more fully. I think I kind of see it the same way. Like, this is going to happen whether we like it or not. Like, technology is just improving so rapidly in this direction that we might as well get ahead of the whole ethics part because yeah. we're getting there. Yeah, we have or to be there. There's a lot of money to be made in creating the problem and solving the problem. You <laughs> get both sides of it. <laughs> that I mean, let's be real. It's money. It. Yeah, yeah. That's the poison. Service the antidotes. Yeah, Adobe. Adobe. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, also, they did use. One more thing, 
at the end of the keynote, they okay. literally said, but we do have one more thing. And I was wow. like, you guys are really going to do that? <laughs> Iconic, but for a different group of people. I know. Interesting. And nobody reacted to it. And then he said, you can clap now. Nice. So <laughs> no. he used the other <laughs> on stage. Useful. Straight references. Yeah. yeah. That's the kiss of death for a presentation when you go, <laughs> you can clap. You can clap. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's tough. But the one more thing was that they had they announced Firefly 2. So it's basically a Dolly 3 competitor. Okay. Um, everything is way more realistic, a lot better than the first one. It looks like it's directly competing with Dolly 3. I'm moving so fast. Yeah, I know. I think it feels like all of these companies are, are moving at the same pace, and then it's just like, who's going to make the first strike, and then everyone else immediately follows afterwards. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you have access to Firefly if you just have an Adobe subscription, so... There's going to be a lot of stuff out there. It was a very <laughs> exhausting, very fast paced, but very fruitful 24 hours. I think it's going to help my um, video a lot. So Sweet. fascinating. Yeah. Stay tuned for that video. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of generative IO channels. A lot Subscribes. A lot to talk about. We should, of course, All right, trivia. finish it up with trivia. Trivia. Okay. So the score real quick. Marquez with 10, Andrew with two, <laughs> three, carry the five, nice. five, Andrew has five, Not bad. David with nine. <laughs> All right. First question. I'm just going to get straight to it. Garrett Kemp also co-founded another popular app slash search engine that wasn't Uber. What was it called? The logo was an orange S-U. 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 Hmm. Hmm. Oh, my pen barely works. <laughs> Andrew just gave up. You're doing great, sweetie. My pen barely works. <laughs> I just read what Marquez wrote. <laughs> All right. Flip him and read. What do you got? I just wrote F you. <laughs> <laughs> Marquez and I. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Marquez and I. How does this keep happening? Totally the same person. <sighs> we both wrote super user. <laughs> yeah. Wrong. I totally thought Marquez wrote super Uber. First it was Uber, then super Uber. He's like, I've got <laughs> that it. That would have been so good. Wow. It was Stumble Upon. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. Wow. Dude, I legit thought maybe it's Stumble Upon, but then you said it's search engine. That's why I said don't get hung up on that because technically it's a search engine. No. Ah, I thought Stumble Upon is the one like, where you just went square? to it and it, like, it no. gave you a random Man. page out of nowhere just without you putting. Yeah, I mean, it was like also at Google Plus, like every page had a. God, I am really. I can't remember the names of these. Things. I would. Le- yeah. <clears throat> wow. I'm really sad I didn't remember. I that. had that thought. I know. Earlier. That's why I gave you guys the logo because I was like, hopefully that helps I them. I somehow did not even connect the SU and Stumble Upon because I thought earlier Stumble Upon was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. didn't even think That was about... like low key one of my favorite like oh, apps yeah. and services. Reddit? It was Maybe so 2009. Yeah. Oh, that Reddit website? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? I get, I'm trying to, the, the like mechanics space. of stumble upon were interesting at the time. Don't you just go to the site and it sends yeah. you to a random and site? And then there's like a, yeah, but a then, refresh button pretty much oh, that sends right, you to another one. Oh, you're search engine. But then there was also, I think, it, I'm I think it also later turned into because they realized they couldn't capitalize a right. bunch on just total. Then I th- do believe it turned into like Whatever more ways of searching through. Question number two. I can hear you writing. Can you hear the words that I'm writing? 
Maybe. Question number two. I wish. In 2016, Microsoft acquired what is now the eighth largest social network in the world. I'm going to name the top eight. With almost one billion users, which social network is it? Boom, ba -dum. Eight largest social networks. Facebook. Threads. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I should have said this is as of July 2023, so I don't think Threads was out when Statista compiled this list. Oh. Is Threads technically in the top eight? I, I guess don't it, know. I guess it would be. They passed 100 million users in five days. Yeah, I One, guess two, I... Three, four, five, six, damn. Don't know what other things are considered social media platforms. It would take me a while to get stumble a upon <laughs> Reddit, that Reddit website linked in. We all said LinkedIn. And you're all right. Oh, no. And they say Ellis questions are hard. At the top of the podcast, did I like just say that out loud? Mm -hmm. Like when Microsoft acquired LinkedIn and whatever. We we'll talked about the purchase price for sure. Oh, Wait, do yeah. you have the top eight? You said eight? I have the top eight right here. Number one. Can I try to, can I try to name them all? Threads. In order? I might not be in order. I won't be in order. Okay. But I think I'll get all eight. One, two, three, four. Five. Or seven. Carry the, Carry the one. <laughs> so LinkedIn is I eight. I have the top ten in front of me. Okay. So MySpace as well. Facebook. Yeah. Facebook's on there, number 3. one. 3.3 billion mouse. Okay, Instagram. Is, Instagram is number one, two, three, four. Twitter. Uh, Twitter is not on here. Yeah. X. Yeah. Okay. X, X is, is not on here. Either. Wait, what? Oh. No, it's not. They have a really small user base. I knew they did, yeah. but I still like thought it would have been top 350 ten. million. Okay. Yeah, that's not going to cut it. Snapchat. Here. Snapchat is number 10. Okay. Snapchat. WeChat. WeChat is on here number five. Number one. Whoa. Okay. Number one. Then I get into the the ones that are not as popular here. Like, is Orkut still popular? Never heard of that. What the hell? It was that? really popular in South America Orkut? a couple years ago. And I didn't know if it was still as popular. It's clearly not. What about Line? Uh, Statista. Line is not on here. Statista includes two popular video platforms so youtube and vi vimeo no no way no Born i almost hub. said tiktok no. is david <laughs> tiktok.com tiktok yes and youtube.com yes that's right um and that leaves two more yes there's okay. one you know what there's one on here that i they're counting facebook messenger as a separate because if you count it's a separate app then you would also count whatsapp What's WhatsApp is indeed on here. Okay. What's up with that? Indeed's on there? <laughs> indeed is not on here. The, hey, no the, free ad reads. <laughs> the two that you did not they get. Can't, can't even crack top ten. <laughs> one of them is only available in China. It's called Douyin. Okay. It, right? That's the Tencent. Uh, someone look that up for me. They should just merge that with WeChat. What? Douyin's not a meta property. <laughs> oh, WeChat. WeChat, not WhatsApp. Mm. Well, that wasn't helpful. Uh, we just Googled Douyin, and the, of course, the Google results are in Chinese. So. Yeah, it's not going to help. <laughs> um, the other one is not Chinese. It's Telegram with 700 million Let's users. Go. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I think number 11 is mkbhd.com. Google Plus. Anyway. Yeah. Google Plus, RIP. Orkut, RIP. StumbleUpon, RIP. Dude. Urban Spoon. RIP. Maybe. Super it might user, still be there. RIP. But hey, we got a lot of AI stuff coming up, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> and that was all in our podcast today. But that's been it for this week, this episode. 
I don't even know what y'all are looking at over there. This I'm not even going to stumble upon it. Stumble upon it tried to make him download some weird app. Oh, I'm glad stumble upon. I think it's called they Mix. Kind now. of They exists, should make stumble upon where it's just like Shark Tank idea. dudes' faces that were just shaved. Shark Tank idea. Anyway, glad you joined us for this week. Hope you join us next week. <laughs> After that one, I hope you stay with us too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Waveform is produced by Adam Molina and Ellis Rovin. We're partnered with Vox Media Podcast Network, and our intro-outro music was created by Vane Sill. I'm using the generative wallpapers, and it's frowny oh. face and moons. Why? Because they kind Did of. Did you ask it to be that? They kind no, of, I randomized it. Oh, frownies is kind of sad. Wait, do you get to vibe. type things in, or does it no, just do it? It's oh, just it emojis. Sense. It's random. It's frowny faces, moons, and small happy faces. Can you, do you get to pick the emojis? No, you can. You can. You can. Can you do a hot dog one? Uh, sure. Oh, now we're talking glizzy wallpaper. Glizzy. Glizzy. A glizzy and a robot. And then and police. you could do what pattern do we want? <laughs> oh, wait, how is this AI if you're just picking all well, of them? Well, there's it? a randomize option. <laughs> oh, yeah, do randomize. Oh, no, it changed the emoji. It's the place that it okay, puts the emojis that is AI generated. <laughs> there's nothing AI generated about this. But you don't know where the glizzy is going to go. It can be anywhere. <laughs> David's like, pick this. Pick that, too. Okay, what do we want for this? Okay, this. I was like, that's, there's nothing AI. David that's, has made every decision that's doing this. <laughs> seems like it's your intelligence, not artificial intelligence. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right, $25 a month every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.